This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 264, recorded on June 9th, 2016. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their news, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the Average Guy Network Studios here in a pretty warm Bellevue, Nebraska. Heat wave has come in. Mike, I think like overnight we went from 70 to like 95 here. I'm just glad I have to study a lot because I can stay inside in the air conditioning and not have to worry about it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's funny. I go back and listen. You know, we make little comments about the weather each week as we open the show. And you, it gets it's cold and then it gets a little warmer and then spring. I'll say spring is here and then summer's coming and. We are uh, here in Nebraska. It gets hot and muggy during the summer, and I never look forward to it. I'm a cold weather guy, so as you can see from the skis behind me, I'd rather be on the mountain. But of course, we post the show with world class show notes each week out at theaverageguy.tv. You can also join us live on the new mobile app and jump on that thing if you haven't done it yet. It's easy to subscribe to. The buttons, the big subscribe buttons for both iPhone and Android devices, are on our website. HomeGadgetGeeks.com. I bought that site just for that. So head out there. Easy to remember. HomeGadgetGeeks.com. Big fat buttons. You can get those. Download that. And the app's always available. Best way. And many of you, a few of you, 9, 10, 15, something like that every week, listen on the mobile app now. So we appreciate that when you do it. It is a. It is really the best and easiest way to catch us live. It goes live automatically. No streaming problems. You can find us very, very simply. Have it on your phone just as a backup, and we've got a couple hundred downloads, so I know some of you are doing that, but get it just as a backup. Uh, but check it out today. Ho- uh, on your mobile device, go to homegadgetgeeks.com. Big button's there for you. Don't forget the Home Gadget Geeks is a part of the Geeks Network. Find the link to this show and many other great podcasts. And by the way, Dave McCabe on Home Server Show, I know it's called Home Server Show, but he covers the Luma networking devices in the last home server show, I think 300, 301, something like 302, something like that. Really good. He interviews one of the one of the chief guys over there at Luma. They're a new kind of mesh networking, home networking device that's coming out. It's got some things around antivirus and home protection, all kinds of cool stuff. Dave does a really nice job. So that really pertains to what we talk about here with Home Gadget Geeks. But uh, head over to Home Server Show. You can get it at the Geeks Network. Go to thegeeksnetwork.com. All right, well, we got a great show ahead of you, lots of gadgets to talk about tonight. We already talked to Mike, but we have a guest tonight. He's from another network, a guy that hangs out with me on Saturday mornings when we do Ask the Podcast Coach. Been part of the community, uh, been good to get to know him. We've even flirted with trying to start a Stargate podcast, which I don't think we're going to get done. But we call him Stargate Pioneer for the show. We'll call him SP. SP, welcome to Home Gadget Geeks. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And you know, Jim, I have to say, what a great strategy to get your competition off the air. Because one of the podcasts that I do, actually, I do five of them, and one of them records at the same time, which is why I can never actually catch this one live. But way to take my show off the air in your time slot by bringing me over here. What a great strategy. You are the amazing strategist from Well, I wish I I could say that I was on purpose, but... (laughs) <laughs> we've always been 7 o'clock on Thursday nights. Great to have you over here. Hey, let's, for the new listeners, let's to get 
to get to know you a little bit, you mentioned you got a bunch of podcasts. So you are part of the the Gunna Geek network uh, that you do them under. But uh, give us a quick, just kind of a quick rundown from your most favorite to your least favorite that you do. You don't have to do it that way, but tell us what you do on the podcasting side. I'll do that right after you tell me what your most favorite to least favorite kid is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. So I'm part of the Guinea Geek Network. It's a network of uh, just friends that get together, a bunch of hobby podcasts, and it's a very friendly, geeky network. We have a total of 17 shows and growing of just geek-related comics, some comic book-related stuff, sci-fi-related stuff, and just uh, tech gadget geek sort of stuff. We also have a podcast about podcasting, which I'm part of, called Better Podcasting. So the five shows that I'm on, Better Podcasting is one. Gonna Geek is the main official flagship show of it. Steven is the producer of that and the network owner, so thank you very much for taking care of that, Mr. Steven. And then I do Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and really the general Marvel Universe. And then it's got a spinoff show called Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Longbox Edition, and we break down the Marvel comics every week that come out. And then I do show on the DC Arrow show on CW called Starling Tribune and that is the show that you took off the air tonight so for any Starling Tribune fans out there that's the reason why I'm over here. Well it's a DC, DC show so it's not how, how good can it be right? It's not Marvel. You're the guy that didn't like Civil War that much so I know I, mean, I know I didn't I still don't I, I'm struggling with it but we're not here to talk about the differences between that I know I know everybody's loved it and it's gonna make a gajillion dollars on that I'm just I'm, I'm being weird about it right now and I don't know why so we'll move on hey you're a big comic book guy and and let's just jump right in when we talk about gadgets you had shown me a you know, an Amazon Fire gadget that you're using, not terribly expensive. Let's walk me through that because it's very comic book related and not very expensive. No, it's not. So I, I have to walk down a path for this in the first place. So I'm relatively new to comic collecting. I got into it because I started podcasting with friends on comic books and then decided, hey, I might as well read comics and then, you know, start three comic book shows on it. So that's what's going on. But I go to do. my that's, that's my, what we do, right? We right. think, hey, this is cool. Let's start a podcast. <laughs> it's just the reason why we want to start a Stargate podcast. Right. Just neither of us have the time to do it. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I go to my local comic book store or LCS and every week and I have a file list or pull list I've heard it called and actually get physical copies because I like physical copies, but once you collect a few of these, you know, your your shelves, your closets get overtaken by short boxes or long boxes full of comics. And a lot of people like to go digital. So the great thing is that Marvel, with its comics, DC is going to get there, but not quite yet. They have a little digital code that is inside the comic that you can actually redeem and put on the Marvel.com website and app. So you can actually read the comics via their digital versions and uh, there's the little code right there. It's a little flip-up box. You open that and it has a code in there. You input it into marvel.com slash redeem and then all of a sudden you get a digital copy. Well, that same digital copy then can link. You can link your Marvel account over to Comixology. So you can read your comics via the Comixology app or the uh, Marvel app as well. Well, if you have kids that are interested in this stuff as well because comics are big right now. Comics are in. It wasn't like when I grew up, and I'm assuming when you grew up, Jim, that yeah, comics weren't all that cool. Not a few people, but not a ton, yeah. 
Yeah, Mike doesn't realize that. He's he's past the comics were always cool to Mike, right? That's actually pretty true. Yeah, ever since I've known him, it's been kind of the cool new thing. Right. So so my kids want it, and I want to collect these. So I actually put them in uh, sh- uh, sleeves with boards on them, and I, I don't know. They won't be worth anything. It's just me and my OCD of trying to collect it them. Keeps them it, it keeps them nice, and you can stack them neatly, and they, they slide in and out, and you can be like Sheldon at the comic book store, pull them exactly. up. Exactly. Yeah, and, and you know, someday I'll give it to my grandkids or whatever, yeah. and they'll see what it's like and everything. Well, so how do you read them when they're in these sleeves? Well, you can take them out or anything, but it's easier to carry them around digitally. And so, well, my kids wanted them, and I was like, well, I'll just give you my Comixology account and password, whatever, and you can read them. And the problem is they had laptops, they had cell phones, which you can actually get the Comixology and Marvel app on a cell phone, but it's, let's face it, comics are better if you read it bigger, even if you do it the frame by frame, that you can do it a little little box by box. So I was like, how am I going to do this? Because I don't want to spend a gazillion dollars on an iPad mini or something like that. And so I was searching around for a little bit, and my son, he was going to end up on a cruise ship this summer. And I was like, well, you know, what can I get him that I don't care if it ends up in the ocean? And I was looked into this Amazon 7-inch tablet, which you can get with ads, I believe, for like 30 bucks. So a 7-inch tablet, you can link it to, you can put the Comixology app on it, you can put the Marvel app on it, and you can read your comics on on there, which I've already paid for on the Marvel side anyway. I've already paid for them with the physical copy, redeem the code, get the same great digital content on the 7-inch tablet, and my daughter and my son can actually go through and actually read the comics. So that's pretty cool, I think, in this day and age to be able to do something like that. Yeah, no, for sure. Right now it's showing those, that 7-inch, 8-gig, include special offers, black. It's 50 bucks right now. But I think it's been as cheap as 30 in a special deal, or I mean, it just depends on... I how... Actually, this was refurbished. Oh, that was one of the oh, reasons did why. Refurb- so, yeah. Okay, cool. That's even better. Yeah. That's a great way to go. I didn't realize Amazon was selling those refurbed. Well, they did so, uh, a, a few months ago, and yeah. it's this is just I, I think it, it's the eight gig model. I think yep. so, yeah. but it doesn't matter because if you're in Wi-Fi, you just download the comic that you're trying to read, and you can you know delete them when you you get full up on it. And yeah, do they take up very much space on the Fire? I mean, are are they? I assume it downloads the entire content to yeah, for your the Fire. Yeah, for the single episode, it's it's you know. PDF files. It's not all that big a deal, or it's not actual PDF. I forget the format that it comes down in, but right. you can think of it in terms of a PDF, in terms of size. So you can get, you, you can't get all of them. You, you can, if it's running like 50 or 60 megabits. Yeah, that's what a, Chris, Chris says about 50 or 60 megs a book, usually, which isn't bad. Actually, that's the size of a podcast, of an hour long podcast. So and if you actually read the comic book, it's going to take you a half an hour to really get through it anyway, to appreciate the art, to understand what the dialogue is and whatever. And I will say, when you go into, there's two modes that you can read this stuff on the Comixology app. You can read the full page, which on a 7-inch tablet is doable, but a little hard. Or you can double tap the app and then go frame by frame. And you can actually read it in the order that they want you to read it on a page. So if you're a little spatially challenged, like maybe I am or whatever, and don't know where to start on the page or whatever, that will actually take you through it. So it's it's a great way to read comics. And since comics are in, 
And, you know, Marvel is great, as you said, and Civil War is the best movie ever. It, <laughs> all time, you, I think, is the word of, you used. Of all, all time. time. <laughs> all time. It is, this is the time to get into it. Uh, DC's going through a rebirth, uh, which is very great this summer in 2016, and Marvel's got a thing or two going on as well. So it's if you've never read comics, I never have. It's a great time to get into it and, and learn a lot about it. And for 30 bucks on a refer, I mean, that's... Just a great way to do it. Yeah. So well, jump, oh, oh, go, go, go. No, go ahead, Mike. So if I want to jump in on that, on the comics, just like on the non-techie side of things, can you just kind of jump right in where they're at right now, and kind of will you understand enough of the story, or do you need to kind of go back and kind of okay, go back to the start of the series or something like that? Yeah. Usually, any time is a good time to jump into comics and start okay. to learn. But right now, with DC, with their rebirth, this is just the Green Arrow version of rebirth. But a couple of weeks ago, they rebooted their entire universe. They didn't get rid of the history. They just brought it to a new storyline, and they brought in uh, some continuity that a lot of people uh, thought they had gotten away with with the new 52. Now's a great time, just right now in the last couple of weeks, great time to start getting these. It, it's hard to get the actual physical copies because they're selling so well, but uh, Comixology has them. And they're cheap now, too. They're cheaper than they used to be. They used to be uh, $3.99. They're back down to $2.99 or $1.99, depending on which comic that you actually get. So that's a great time. And then on the Marvel side of things, they kind of did a reboot last fall, and they went number one with a lot of uh, comics. This is an example, A-Force number one. But um, I'm sure you've heard of the news of Captain America number one that came out just a couple of weeks ago and the controversy on that. Um, I didn't, I didn't I know. haven't what's, either. What's the controversy? Uh, he apparently, according to that individual issue is always been a Hydra agent his entire life. Oh, wow. Yeah. All that's right. A wow, it's controversy. Uh, yeah, sell, sell the book, and of course it won't last, and there will always yeah. be a story to, to swing him away from it or whatever. But a lot of people got turned off because of the history of the character and the fact of what Hydra stood for with Nazi Germany and what right. Captain America stood for and everything. So it's a little bit more than just a comic book. On Captain America, and and they, I think Marvel crossed the line with it personally, but uh, in, in any event, now is a great time to to jump into it, Mike. It doesn't matter; just pick out your favorite one and start reading. I did that last fall, and I've been catching up on. I, I haven't gone past last fall except for if it was with the Green Arrow because of what we're doing with the um, the Starling Tribune. We're going back in the history of the comics, so the Longbow Hunters Year One and stuff like that. But other than that, I I. Haley, my co-host on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., tried to get me to start with the Marvel comics in 1963, which I did for about two months, and then said, no, I'm, you know, I need to go to the newer stuff, so I did. Yeah, I was just looking it up right now. I had actually never heard of the Comixology app before, so that even makes it easier, because I've got an iPad that I actually don't use for too much stuff, so I'm going to put it on there and see what we can get into. You yeah, don't use an iPad. Hmm, okay. Well, he's a Windows guy now. He, oh, he's okay. We don't need to go that far with it. He's completely converted. He's on my desktop a lot right now. Over so to, the, <laughs> to the Windows side. No, um, say no. anything on this podcast, and all of a sudden you're a Windows guy. That's you. it. Well, you, you got to self-proclaim it. You have, a, you have a Windows PC, right? Yes, that is true. I do, and I use it a lot. It was running it all day today. We have a new one. We'll talk about it here in just a second, but... Uh, a great, I think, uh, um, SP, to your point, I think a great way to kind of reclaim to the, because I bet a bunch of people picked up fires, they used them, like iPads, they used them for two or three months, and now they're sitting, they haven't even charged them recently, and so, you know, it's like, hey, oh, hey, this would be a good way, Mike, if you're going to get back into it, 
this would be a great way, you know, to get back into it. So um, even a larger fire uh, out there, you know, uh, right now uh, Fire HD 8 is at 150, and a 10-inch version of that's 179. 10-inch version of the iPad, Mike, would run me what these days? $1,000. Is it? Yeah. So, yeah. I was going to say small truck, maybe. Yeah. Your, your, your left hand, uh, your right hand would do too, but, you know. Yeah, they'll just take the left and then snicker right. as they as they walk away. It's good stuff, but uh, a great way, SP, a great way to kind of, another reason to kind of go back to the, you know, to the, it's funny, this weekend, uh, I don't do a lot. I mean, I do a lot of email and a lot of productivity stuff on my phone, but I don't do a lot of, you know, games and stuff like that. So I went and saw my nephew. I was down in Oklahoma City, and I went and saw him, and he was like, hey, have you used Colorfy? And I'm like, no, never used Colorfy. And he's like, you got to do it. So he made me download it. And then we, we, he's like, I think he's eight or nine. We colored, you know, it, it has these images and you can change the color palette. And then you just touch the section and it's, it colors it in for you and you can change these. And I had, we had, we had the best time, the two of us, just coloring stuff. And hey, look what I got. Hey, look what I got. I hadn't done anything like that in forever. And it, it was just a good time to kind of share. He has a little iPod touch that uh, he was doing it on. And then I, connected to him via text, and so now I can text him from time to time, and I'm his favorite uncle, I'm just going to say it, and so there's, a, it was just, it was super fun to connect that way and have a have a great time with him, and, and then connect via texting as well, so pretty cool. Well, SP, that's, that is interesting, you know, one of the things, I got a couple things we're going to talk about tonight, but one of them, when we think about movies, and you think about all the CGI, the amazing CGI that goes into the Marvel movies, and the DC movies as well, that are coming out. In this day, June 9th, 1993, the motion picture Jurassic Park premiered in Washington, D.C., the highest grossing film in history um, at the time. Not of all time, but at the time, uh, grossing history. Mike uh, Mike um, Howard, by the way, says that Civil War was good, but Aliens is the best movie of all time. That's what he says out in the chat room. That's eh, a good movie. It's game over, man. Game over. Why'd you put her in charge? It's a good line. That's a great movie. It and it really changed. It was one of those pivotal movies that kind of changed. I think the way we look at uh, the way we look at horror, gore, and military, uh, yeah, military movies. But um, Jurassic Park. Let's see. All time, the contribution of Jurassic Park to the field of special effects is perhaps as important as the original Star Wars movie, 16 years prior. During the production of the movie, the decision was made to incorporate the use of computer-generated imagery or CGI for short, in a large scale by interweaving the use of CGI and animatronics, the movie uh, special effects and realism were unprecedented for the time and still maybe to this day. Jurassic Park jumped, uh, jump-started a wave of movies that made use of heavy use of CGI, although there was some really bad CGI that has come out since then. For the rest of the 90s and the present, the use of CGI pioneered uh, by the movie is now entirely commonplace. As we look at all the Marvel stuff, I mean, you got to kind of wonder. The CGI is great on it, by the way, but it's got to just be boatloads. I mean, what, 80% of the movie is probably CGI in a lot of cases? Oh, man, it's got to be even more, right? Doesn't it? I mean, well, almost the, every single scene. <laughs> yeah, the whole it, Civil War, the whole airport fight scene was all CGI, so you've got that going on. Uh, you can't forget with Jurassic Park, it wasn't all just CGI. It was an interesting story with the cloning and bringing back of dinosaurs but let's not forget the most important part which is John Williams score it really makes the movie memorable yeah yeah 
What's shocking to me, so like, you know, I was still pretty young when all this stuff was coming out, so I don't really have a reference of beforehand, but the things that we can do with video from our home, from our desktop computer, the way that has changed since the 90s, even up until now with green screen, I mean, just the simple, simple stuff that you would never be able to do, that you need like a production truck to do, and now you can do live shows and green screening and all sorts of effects with the Adobe Suite. It's just, it's crazy how far all that has come on the personal side, even from back then to now. Yep, and I have to have a callback to an episode you guys did a couple of, of weeks ago. It was actually Jim's birthday, and he was podcasting on his birthday, right? You guys made him podcast. No, yes, on, Mike, on it was all birthday. Mike's fault. Yeah, it was. Right. I, I so, guilt-tripped him into it. So in this past year, I've discovered that you podcast on New Year's Eve. You podcast on your birthday. Where, where's the line, Jim? I mean, where, do you call it at anniversaries? I mean, I've, what, done what, what, I've done it. Yeah. 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 What about you? As a podcaster, do you... You take those significant days off, or do you podcast? If it falls on it, do you change it? How does that work for you? Yeah, when I first started, I was gung ho. Hey, we got a podcast. This is the day. This is gonna. And and now, I, you know, we've got an incredible cadre of of hosts. So if I'm not available, I can call somebody in. I can call Stephen in. I can call Chris in, and whatever. And they can run the podcast, or we'll just skip a week. I'm fine with that. Skipping a week every now and then. But let's get back to your birthday, Jim. And let's talk about, um, you, were you were talking about Apollo 10, it, which happened on your birthday in 1969. Yep. And you were saying that there really wasn't a movie out there, that Apollo 13 had the movie and everything. Do you remember, have you ever seen the HBO series From Earth to the Moon? Have no. you seen that? No, I have not. Oh, you so got it. If really? you're interested in the original space race, okay. and, and this is why I'm bringing it up because I didn't think you were, pick up this HBO series From the Earth to the Moon. It was actually produced by Ron Howard and Tom Hanks, who were, of course, both involved in Apollo 13. And they went through the entire... Um, space race, basically. You take it from the right stuff, where the right stuff left off with the Mercury 7, and you take it all the way through the Apollo missions to the last man on the moon. So go ahead, pick that up. It's a great series, and Apollo 10 is part of that. Oh, good. And it, and it actually detailed... It, you know, it's a, it is a movie, so it's not like a documentary, but it does detail what these guys had to go through being that close to the moon and not being able to touch down. It's just it's be crazy, wouldn't it, to fly around it? It, um, I watched a documentary the other day. I really enjoy, actually, space stuff about NASA. You know, my Twitter feed has NASA stuff in it all the time. Um, and the interesting fact, there's been a lot of uh, documentation that's now been unclassified since, um, since the fall of the Soviet Union. So when that came down, there was tons of information that flooded out. And they, uh, some of it was their space program that had gone on during the 60s. So they put Sputnik up and that great success, and of course America freaks out, and then we start, and then Kennedy says, you know, we're you know, land a man on the moon in this decade, and uh, those kinds of things, and they spend the rest of the 60s really getting ready. Well, behind the, scene, behind the scenes, the uh, Soviet Union was trying to put men in space, and we're just having a terrible time getting people there. And they blew up. I mean, we thought we made some mistakes. Those guys blew up more rockets on the pad. In fact, one of the largest explosions ever recorded was one of their rockets trying to take off. It was a 25-motor rocket. So instead of getting better technology, they just threw muscle power at it, right? They just put 25 engines in a big, gigantic rocket and sent it up, and the thing got barely off the pad and then just exploded. And so very, very interesting. Of course, at the time, that was all kept very secretive. Uh, mistakes were not allowed to come out of the government in those days, and so 
nobody knew about it. And of course, in America, we were freaking out that they were getting so far ahead. Chances are, we learned both then and actually during the Cold War, most of their missiles would have never made it out of their silos that they put in. Some of them were fake. They had done that to kind of uh, you know impress us. But when we think about rocket technology, man, they blew up some amazing rockets right on the launch pad. It was spectacular. Well, so, so, did we, so did we, and let's not forget, who can get us to the International Space Station today? Yeah, not not <laughs> us. <laughs> that's true. No, right on. It's just, but it's interesting when you think about those Cold War, and you, you know, we don't, uh, growing up in that era, we did not hear a lot about that. We were just always very fearful of it, and yet they were struggling just as much as we were to, uh, to put men in space, so um, pretty cool. Well, let me tra transition a little bit. We uh, we have Ben Adventure coming from Kangaroo next week. We had interviewed him back in uh, fall of last year when the very first original Kangaroo came out. That's the PC that that's that started the Uyghur Revolution, is what I'm calling it. As he began to move away from Mac, uh, eventually giving it up completely, and go right. That's the rumor. I mean, I'm coming to you live from a uh, no, yeah, no, no, that's oh, not true. Mac. That's not true. But fifty fifty. It, it's it is the it is the PC that got Mike Weger re kind of uh, looking at Windows and Windows 10 and still uses it and has it today. They have a new version out, the Pro, the the Kangaroo Pro. Uh, it's it, it's a little bit larger, still running that same 1.44 Atom uh, processor. I don't know if it's the same one. I have to go back and check. But two gig of RAM, 32 gig hard drive, integrated graphics. Uh, this in this case, it actually has a new dock, and we'll be talking about that next week. And that new dock, you can put a new, you can put your own hard drive in it, which is kind of cool. You can unscrew that and put your own drive in there, and it really makes it. You know, it's one of these expandable. Take it with you. And the market they're really trying to serve is, Mike. You have the PC with the dock. That's very, the dock is very small, about that right. big, right? Very portable. You take that dock with you. Maybe you have that dock at work or at home, depending where you do most of your work. And then. This new dock, maybe this is the home dock, and so you have it. All you have some storage on it. You can do some things with it, so you can undock that PC, put it in your pocket. Battery will keep it running while it's while you're you're bringing it home. Yeah, Mike's showing. Hold on, let me let me focus on you here for a sec. So you're showing. This would be the, the travel dock. Yep, that's just yep. tiny and small. Take it with you. Uh, USB one, USB two, and a USB uh, one, USB three, and a and a HDMI. Uh, the new dock has got VGA and HDMI and Ethernet and two USB 3s and a USB 2 in there, so it's got a lot more. And that spot to put hard drive and a whole bunch more that Ben's going to talk to us about next week. So if you're thinking about doing that, I'll be reviewing that through the course of the week. It's actually sitting on my desk right there if you want to take a... Oh, hold on. I focused on you, Mike. Well, let's try that again. All right, here we go. Right there. <laughs> and uh, the audio people are like, what the heck is he talking about? But... Uh, so Ben will be back full show on that. It'll be interesting to see where they're going. They kind of hinted toward those docs, Mike, when we interviewed him. Right. As you see, you haven't seen it yet. Let me here. I'll, un I'll unplug it. Why don't I just unplug it? Real quick. You know what I'm really interested in about these things is, um, I, Jim. I, I think I might travel a little bit more than you do. You go to a hotel room, and you with the TVs nowadays with the HDMI, you can go out of that into the TV and 
you could use that as a computer. You can actually stream it if the Wi-Fi is good enough at the hotel or you pay for it or whatever. So you can have all the great content that you have at home just right there or work capability right there in the hotel room. And most TVs in the smaller hotel rooms are right there next to the desk. So you can just have your keyboard out and just jam away right there. Set it, plug it in. Although I do enjoy, I don't have cable here. So when I do travel, I watch the... You know, the gold diggers or whatever. I forget the name of that. Those guys had to go out. You watch The Bachelorette, don't you? I do. Actually, funny story. Our interns here at Gallup for the summer, our college interns, actually have Bachelorette brackets going on. So they have started a bracket competition. We uh, During the summer, we do brackets for the College World Series. Of course, that's a big deal here in Omaha as uh, the college baseball team. Uh, the, the series comes to town here in a couple weeks, and, and they'll be here for two weeks. But they thought it'd be fun to do a bachelorette bracket. So they put brackets together, and they're having a good time watching. Can, can I give you a little secret there? Yeah. Y- you know, that's kind of false because the winner is known. Just go to realitysteve.com, and he gives it away every single time. How does he know? He's got, he, he's got an insider. He's got I, th- I think they're now paying. But I, the, that was the original thing. Isn't that live each week? No, I, I thought that was live each week. Maybe not. Just like Dancing with the Stars. Okay. I don't think it's so, live. So here's no. I know it's not. So here's the new unit, Mike. Yours is all. Yours is just this part, right? So this right. is the PC yep. that's available. You put the dock here on this, and that that works. And we had that question, fingerprint reader, on this side. We had that question of is there going to be new things coming out? So here's the dock right here. Plugs in this way. You can see the ports on the back side, so HDMI, uh, audio out. Do you have an audio? You have an audio out on yours, right? No, no there's not. No. That's one of the things we asked about, right? right. If I remember. VGA and HDMI on there, too. Um, see if I can see the colors. I think they're both USB uh, 3. No, 3's on the side. 2's there. There we go. And then what's really cool, this is still on. It's got a little battery in it, which is kind of cool, right? These... These things are still running. You just put that, flip that in. Boom! It's now in the, it's now in its case, and you got all that, all that capability right there, ready to go. Could plug it back in, hit the space bar. It would be, it would literally be, up and running on there. So pretty cool. I don't know. SP, have you seen anything like this? What do you think about its form factor? That is incredible. I've been looking at the smaller stuff to basically be media play PCs around the house because I still have a couple of XP machines that are. Physically hooked up to the TVs, but that you know they they don't work and the video cards old and everything like that. So I've been looking at those. I've also been looking at a Mac Mini just because I don't have a Mac in the house, and I, I've actually been kind of interested in how GarageBand works. So, but they're they're even 500 bucks. So you know the the smaller stuff is great. If, if I go uh, travel, whatever, it'd be nice to have a second computer around that's not my laptop. That's you know as big as a, a hard drive basically. And be able to bring it up. So yeah, that's that's their play actually. Is some media center. So and right. put an SSD in there. It'll take the smaller SSD drives. So you can't get the big thick ones, but the the real thin ones. Either a laptop, either a regular spinner, or an SSD. An SSD is so cheap right now. I think Kevin Schoonover put a link to an SSD in our Facebook group at about twenty cents a gig. Or I think that's kind of what what it, what we're down to at this point. So you could put an SS a five hundred gig SSD for whatever, whatever those are, they're pretty cheap at this point, and store your movies on them and make it your media center. And oh, by the way, if you want to take it, like you mentioned, you want to take the whole thing with you when you're on the road, That you saw how big that thing is. That packs up like, uh, I mean, it's two decks of cards. Yeah. 
just amazing what's yeah. available today versus what was available when I started traveling in the 90s. Yeah. No, isn't it crazy what we used to take, the big heavy stuff that we used to take with us? Steven asks, um, M2 drives? Yes, the 32 gig. The OS drive is a 32 gig M2. Um, that's in there. And uh, the the version that Mike has, 100 bucks, right? 99 is what I believe and, so. I, I, did yeah. they drop them? I didn't know if they dropped them. I'd have to look on Amazon to see what they are, the current price. They make a mid-range version that's, I think, 149 that has... I have to look. You want to go through. There's a couple different configurations. They even have a Linux-only con configuration if you don't want to buy Windows. I think it's got more memory, and but it doesn't come with Windows, so it's a little bit cheaper. That right. might be the one, the 149. This version, 199 with Windows, which is which it comes with Windows 10 Home Edition, the 64-bit edition. I am seriously, and like I said, Ben's going to come on next week, and we're going to talk about it. He's scheduled, but. Well, there's a, a, an AOC monitor that I'm uh, a 16 inch ultra slim 1366 by 768 monitor USB 3 powered you don't have any external power that you need comes with a monitor and a case for 94 bucks and I'm thinking of picking that up and pairing it with it and that would be you know the kind of the ultimate travel you know take a little Bluetooth keyboard along with you and you know you're kind of in the only thing better if that was touch. I don't think it is. If you could make that touch, that would be pretty cool. There's some things you could do with it. So, um, man, it's the gadgets. SP, you've you've been in the gadget world a while. It's amazing what we've got coming, and it just keeps getting cheaper and better. It it is. You know, I remember back when I was uh, in high school, and I would go to my dad's office, and he would sit me down at his I don't know 8086 computer, something like that, and I would type it in on whatever word version it was and 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 print it out on dot matrix printers and he would take he he had, eventually he got a a portable computer it was the compacts which the keyboard actually rolled up into the where the screen was and everything it fold up and snap those weighed about 12 pounds I was going to say it weighs about as much as a boat anchor and 12 yeah. pounds would be about it for a small yeah. lake boat. And Yeah, to go from that to what we have today, uh, again, a couple of weeks ago you guys were talking about it when the internet popularity came out, and I believe in 1995 with Microsoft. And um, Yeah, that's it's amazing. And I, You remember all those AOL disks and CompuServe disks that you said? I always wonder what happened to all those. I mean, is, is there some person underground in the sewers that is living on a in a house built with them or something so <laughs> that'd have been great build a house turn them out so that they reflect the sun off the roof somebody could make a make roof shingles out of them frisbees I'm sure, I'm sure yeah. somebody tried yeah what an incredible i mean think just think of that era of of AOL and the disks and dial up mode speaking of that so i have another this week in tech history Back on yesterday, actually, June 8, 1978, Intel introduced its 16-bit 8086. And you would be like, well, so what, Jim? Well, actually, this is the very first that 8086 is what we would build, what Intel would build all its chips off for the future. So a lot of what we have today, now 64-bit's a little bit different, but what we have today was built off this 8086 architecture. It came in speeds of 10, 8, and 5 hertz. Which is well, make it hurts uh, there. But the 8086 would become the basis of the series for processors used in IBM compatible, which is really funny. In those days, I remember everybody'd say, "You didn't get a computer; you got IBM compatible." As we were talking about it, um, the the family with that family of chips would be later named Pentium. 
which became a very, very, you know, you'd always, you would kind of, what kind of chip? I have a Pentium 2, a Pentium 3, a Pentium 4, right? Those, that was a big deal for a lot of years. That would that name Pentium and the chips would dominate the PC market for a long time. Ironically, however, it was the modified 8-bit 8088, which is the computer I first learned to program on back in when I was in high school, that was used in the original IBM PC. Why this is important is because IBM set the standard for PCs, then didn't follow it. The orig- they used a microprocessor and microchannel in all their in- on all their architecture. So they created the standard, and then the PC they made, uh, PC Junior, I think is what it was called, didn't follow it at all. So the memory was different, the hard drives were different. I mean, a lot of the things were different that went into all the components were different. You couldn't take PC components and mix it with a true IBM computer. My dad actually bought one of those, and I wish I would have kept it from that era. It would have been great. So those were the 8088s. The current line of Intel core processors are still based on that same architecture that was introduced in the 8086. So that was uh, 1978, June 8th, 1978. SP, did you ever mess around in, in that era? When did you come to the PC? What do you remember? What was your first PC? So our first PC in our house was a Commodore 64, but I had friends in the neighborhood that had a VIC-20, and also uh, a few years before that, we had uh, a friend, my dad had a friend across the street who had a Lisa, who let me use the Lisa, and that was back when Lisas were $20,000, and that was way back then in in really the late 70s, early 80s, so $20,000 then is probably be about $150,000 now, and they owned their own business, and, and it was a business expense and stuff like that, so uh, it, it made sense for them. Th- those were the first computers that I remember. I remember my Atari 2600 very well, played Space Invaders on that over and over and over again, but uh, honestly, uh, it, it got to the... the first one you owned? Th- it was Commodore 64. Okay. This is the okay. one I owned, and I believe it was like a $200 special from Target or whatever, and you could get them in the in the modules, right? So you got the actual CPU, and then you got the 1541 uh, 5 and a quarter disk drive, which was separate, and you had the tape drive, which was separate. You had the modem, which was separate. I had a 150 baud modem to start out with, and uh, they, they had the monitor, which was separate as well, which I actually still have. It's in my garage and need to find out whether I need to uh, bronze it or... <laughs> Recycle do, it or do something you keep, like that. You hold on to stuff like that. I had an old from that era. I had a Timex Sinclair 1000, which was a little membrane keyboard. Uh, used Basic. It would program Basic. And I thought I'd kept that thing. And I was looking through some boxes the other day. It is gone. I can't find it anywhere. I must have given it away. I must have thought at some point in time, oh, I'm never going to need this. Do you, you hold on to that stuff, or is I, most of it gone? I really don't. I mean, anything that I have now, it's just because it's still back in the storage room that I haven't been able to get it out to recycling now. The only reason I know I have this is it was in my parents' house, and they had kept it all these years, and they were finally getting rid of their stuff, so I was home for Christmas one year, and they're like, here's a couple of boxes, take it. So that's the only reason I have it. Mike, when was your? What was your first? What's your first PC? Do you remember? Or whatever it was, Mac oh, PC, man. whatever. What was it? I gotta remember what it was. It was an old Apple. I can't even remember. Two E. I was so young. No, that would be too old for him. That's what I. The I'll Apple have to look that up. That I've, I mean, how do I not know this as an Apple guy? What that first Apple computer? I don't even know which one it was. No, wait, wait a minute. When you became a Windows guy, all that memory just got 
Yeah, right. Everything's just race. gone. I don't even know. It's like this eye max thingy. It's not even allowed. But yeah, it's it's Can't weird. Even think about it. Yeah. No, the two E is I programmed on the two E's in nineteen eighty two. I'm looking at when it. I was we had them in our school and that was where I very first learned basic was in a classroom on an Apple two E. And uh and then bought that Timex Sinclair later in the year, maybe eighty four, and then we had HP gave, or, or we bought, I can't remember, but HP gave our school, we had 24, 25 HP. Those 8088s were the first ones we had uh, in the school. You can actually have, have some um, yearbook pictures that have a picture of the computer in it. And uh, pretty amazing when you think about where we've come from uh, to get this far. So all the way, SP, all the way from that to this little kangaroo PC that I just showed you. I completely unplugged it. You saw me do that. I completely unplugged it. And then I just plugged it back in, and the screen comes right back up. So you're like, that's just crazy that that actually works. A little fingerprint reader, too. So if I want to log into Windows, I can just put my finger on the side, and uh, Windows, let's see. Windows Hello should, I don't I, I don't know if I have to get it in the right, the right configuration. Maybe I have to say. <clears> so will it teach your kids how to drive? Uh, I wish, because I mean, my, my daughter needs to know how to drive right now. Will will it uh, automatically edit your podcast for you without you know, totally automated? No, not yet. Ah. I wish there are ways. You know what? To be honest, with the way we do our podcast today, I bet I could write some scripts that would do a pretty good job. Chris Barnes, who has been on our show pretty regularly, once a year or so over the last couple of years, he'll be back on here in the next couple of weeks. Chris Barnes actually has written some scripts for his processing, for his audio processing, where he just kind of hits a button and it does all that stuff in Audacity. I think it's an audacity. It does it all for him. So it just runs through, you know, does some th compress, does some stuff, takes some sound out, blah, blah, blah. Does it all for him. So I don't know. Is that is that what you're looking for? I'm jealous. <laughs> well, he does pretty good. I actually like editing the podcast. That's one of the things I like to do is go through and each week. Mike, when you were doing podcasts, did you, was that arduous, the, the editing process? No, or? I... I just yeah I was very you know I I know how I kind of want to do it a beginning and end but then again I cut up I had my live show was lackluster because I started the live show right at the beginning to avoid cutting and I cut it off right at the end I didn't do pre-show and post-show so the video I really didn't have to edit too much um, that's usually the hardest part for me is the videos uh, video side but so I looked it up it was a Macintosh LC3. That I, that I had on, and I remember the floppy disk putting in to play SimCity back in the day, oh. and we had a printed out code sheet. You had to put triangles or squares in a certain code pattern to play different styles of that game or to load your game, and uh, just, yeah, I could not remember what that was called, but it was awesome. a it was a beast of a machine. Just Those are great days. Oh, yeah. Great days. Um, SP, you do editing? You're, uh, those five podcasts that you do, do you do the editing or, or you got somebody else working with you? That so I, I produce three of them. Two of them are produced by Steven, is, who produces them. Who's out them. in the chat room today, right? I think he's out but, there. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I couldn't do, I couldn't edit all five. The way I do, because I actually go in and I edit content and make sure the sound is basically studio level sound as good as it can get from the recording and everything. So it, it takes some time to do that. But when you're in a niche which has literally dozens of other podcasts and, and you want to grow a little bit, you have to put a good product out there. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you have to have good content to begin with. But aside from that, you have to get good audio quality as well. Otherwise, some people will just stop listening. So. No, they will. And you never know. That's the hard part. They just quit listening. It's not like they... Some will tell you you suck, and then they'll leave. Or they won't, 
which happens sometimes. You're like, why do you keep listening? Others will just leave and you never know it. So it's um, it's it, I editing Cyber Frontiers this week reminded me like, ooh, two in a sh- two two shows in a week. That's going to be a lot of work, and I do some consulting around it too. Hey, let's shift gears a little bit. We've talked about this little WizGear product. This is a, ma- a magnetic-based, goes-in-your-vent type thing. We've sold a ton of these as we've talked about them on the show. They're very versatile. But SP, you've got another version of this that actually attaches to your rearview mirror. Yeah, actually, I looked into that, and unfortunately with my vehicle, it's a minivan. It's the, Where I would be able to mount it would be too low for me to see and see the road safely. So I had just given up the ghost on trying to see my phone, but unfortunately I went on a couple of trips and needed the GPS, and we don't have a GPS unit anymore. It's on the Waze app or Google app or Apple Maps app or whatever, so I had to look into finding it. My wife is actually the one who found it. It is a rear view hanging cell phone holder, and it looks like a big contraption, like uh, what kind of weapon is this, right? Well, one of the reasons why it's so big is because it actually has to hold you know, the, the bigger you know, iPhone 6 Plus or Note 3s or whatever on it, but it it just hangs on the rearview mirror and it, you can adjust it so it's it's nice and cozy. It isn't as stable, maybe, as uh, the vent version is because it is on the rearview mirror and if the rearview mirror is, is wobbly at all or your tires are a little out of alignment or they might need to be balanced or whatever, you get a little shaky uh, cam action going on, but you know, if if you're one of these new age kids and want to Snapchat or something, it's right <laughs> at that point looking at you where the camera's there, and you can actually um, record a little Snapchat or whatever. I actually recorded a message for another podcaster using it because I I didn't have time to stop over and tap out an email or whatever, so I just recorded a little vi- v- vlog, I guess is what it's called, right, Mike? And right, yeah, for those time lapse when you're driving, it's perfect. Yeah. Mike, are you using something like that for your? I know because you're vlogging and you're doing some of that from the car. I have seen. So what? What? How are you? Uh, how are you setting that up in the vehicle? Uh, it's actually that old bendy mount that we used to use for our phones on the tripod. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's a really small version of that Smaller that I just put version. on the phone and I set it up on the dash. I'm lucky. I have a dash that's really flat, so you can set it up there. But for just mounting the phone for GPS, I have the same one as you. Doesn't go in the vent. It just it's like it sticks, and then it's a magnet that goes to the back of the phone. Oh, very cool. I found these really useful. I've mentioned it before, but super you, useful. This you can actually it has uh, two uh, two sizes of you know so you can go thick vents or really skinny vents, right? And so most vents are this size, but with this one, it actually fits inside the on a microphone holder. You can actually slide this in at the bottom, and then I put the I actually put those um, those arms like we're using right here, and I can I mount my uh, cell phones on these, so I can move these things around. So you can see here, this just plugs in like this, right? And then if I want to take my phone, my Android device, and I put that there, like that. And you talk about you know doing the vlogging or getting that at the right angle, right? This allows right. me to really get that phone at the right angle, and it holds great. So it's they, it, I, we, I didn't. It was one of those kind of things like, hey, I wonder if you can stick this thing on a microphone mount. These newer arms are about 15 bucks. So. For Periscope, uh, SP, you mentioned Facebook Live uh, in a, in a mm-hmm. tweet that we were going back and forth. Same idea, right? You get this just in the right spot where you get it kind of to eye level, and it uh, works pretty handy. Then when you're done, just push it up out of the way. 
Yeah, that's one of the biggest issues I've got with Facebook Live is everybody, including people that I know and love, they, they're they holding it in front of them and it's the shaky cam thing or whatever. I'm like, man, you, you need to go get one of those, uh, I forget what they're called, the, the camera stabilization things and, and just mount it in front of you, whatever, if you're going to be walking and talking. Because that's fine. A walk and talk is fine. It's just a little bit. Uh, camera stability uh, would go a long way for me to actually see you as you're talking. Of course, you don't have to see them. You can just listen to it and go to another browser or whatever. But yeah, the Facebook Live that I was talking to you about, though, was simulcasting your podcast. And you can use that with a third-party application like OBS or Xplit or vMix or whatever and actually capture, in this case, the Hangout on Air, the YouTube Live or whatever, and then throw that same video off to Facebook Live. A lot of people are doing it. I think it's going to be uh, an evolution in the, the podcaster vlogging or video casting. I think you're going to see more of that because everybody's on Facebook until they're all scared away from Facebook by us podcasters. Uh, all these videos. I mean, it was kind of the blab thing too, right? We all started doing it, and it's like enough is enough. And then the the content started getting real shady too. You know, all the marketers come come flying in, right? I mean, we know we're probably going to see that on Facebook Live before we know it. Those well, marketers all come flying in, and then, of course, then people are, like you said, people are afraid to watch because they don't, you know, it's not curated, or they don't know how to curate it, right, Mike? What they're going to need to do, though, is have it so that when you click into that video, it has the option to, instead of, like, making it full screen, to almost kick you out to a different live player. Because my problem is, like, I scroll on Facebook, and there is a live thing I want to watch, but I kind of keep on a, wanting to scroll. It's like if I can pop that out and then just keep going... It'd be a lot better, or if it kicks you to their page where they're live from. I love Facebook Live, but for me, I found that I actually keep scrolling more often than I actually watch it, even if it's someone that I really want to watch. Yeah. Um, Other Jim in the chat room reminds us to turn our phones to landscape when we're doing this, so there you go. Right very, there. very true. Just turn it to landscape. That's the nice thing about a magnet. Yeah. Turn my <laughs> mirror to landscape mode, I guess. Yeah. Can you? Does that thing swivel? In the in the the bottom part, could you? Could you know you do what? That? I think it does. And um, I no, it does not. It. Okay, no. So in that case, yeah. Well, and portraits are not a bad way to capture. If you're gonna have a talking head, a portrait's not a bad way to get that because you get. I think you get a better angle on portrait in that. Um. So interesting. Uh, some great ways uh, to secure so to secure if you've got a way. Uh, a unique way, the way that you secure your phone inside your vehicle. I'd love a picture of it. Send it to me, Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv. Just kind of wondering, there's a bunch of different ways to get it done. Everybody's got a different, a bunch of different holders. Take a snapshot of it to me. Send it to me in an email, Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv. Tweet it to me, at Jay Collison, and uh, it'd be fun. We can talk about it uh, here on the show. One more uh, this week. I was going through, I was only going to do one segment this week in tech history, but there were so many good things that pertain to me, right, as I was thinking about this, the Jurassic Park CGI, all that was lucky because we were talking about Marvel Comics, and that worked out really well. We talked about those, the 8086 processor. But on this day, June 6, 2009, Palm Inc. So Palm, remember those guys, trios? They kind of, they were dominating the smartphone. Well, they weren't smartphones yet. They were, we were on the very cusp. Remember, iPhones weren't even out yet released the Palm Pre smartphone through Sprint in an attempt to regain market share after their Trio line of smartphones was dwarfed by Apple's iPhone, right? The Trios, which had been big, absolutely crushed by that. We remember that at CES, so in January of 2007, they had announced this. And that's long before Apple had announced the iPhone, and they had a real jump on it. But 
the iPhone came out the next year and absolutely crushed um, um, the Sprint, or I um, crushed the the Palm Pre. I was a Palm Pre. In fact, I I think up here somewhere, if I put my camera up there, I think I still have the box. I love that Palm Pre. I was a Palm Preser too. They were yeah. awesome. Oh yeah, those were great little devices. Dude, they were super tiny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but the cool part about them was that you you know you could flip them up and and uh, they would be great. You know, I wish I. I wonder if I've still got that around sitting in a box somewhere. I think I turned that thing in just so that it wouldn't, it it wouldn't the battery wouldn't leak or something on me. But oh yeah, there was a time that Apple was saying no matter what phone it is, we'll give you like fifty or hundred dollars, and we I think we turned them all in for all all of us got credit. Just the credit for yeah, them. they're like we don't care what phone. I'm like really, you don't care because I've got some. I think I sold phones. I think I sold mine to Gazelle or something like oh, yeah. that. Uh, you know, you, you kind of wonder. Then you think, oh, I should I should have held on to that. That would have been so cool to have that, even though you can't get into it. You know, wouldn't work. They can unlock it. Those kinds of things. But remember, don't forget that the Palm Pre came out, and then HP bought Palm and tried to put out a WebOS tablet to compete with the iPad, which was just a disaster. I mean, maybe one of the biggest financial disasters in this area. In HP, they produced a ton of them. They couldn't get rid of them. They eventually ended up selling them for, I think, seventy-nine bucks uh, somewhere. Flooded the market with them. People got them. They had to be a hot item for a while. I have a box somewhere around. We bought one at work for some reason, and I, I found the box. Um, again, wish I had one, kept one of those around for a while. But um, one, by the way, HP paid 1.2 billion dollars for Palm uh, back in the day. And, and that uh, WebOS, I mean, that was pretty much kind of like Chrome, like you know, like what Chrome, yeah. their Chromebooks just on the mobile device, right? So they're kind of, and we're not saying those are doing bad or good, but they're kind of ahead of their time in thinking that way of just, hey, what if it's all just a browser? It was an Android-like operating system in a lot of right. ways, and actually, it looked—it was very icon-based, like the iPhone, right? I mean, there were there were a lot of similarities between it and the iPhone, and a good little phone. SP, what did you when you jumped into the smartphone market? What was your first What was your first entry into that? Well, my my first entry into Palm was actually like a a Palm Pilot, and I, I remember it because you had to learn a different lexicon to write. You you took the stylus, and yeah. you, it was a different letter. You couldn't lift your pen off, so it actually the back um, uh, cover of it actually had a, the way to actually write the alphabet. And I remember I was I was in grad school then, and I was actually trying to take class notes that way. And Did you have a it, Palm Five. Was that no, your palm? No, it was just a Palm Pilot. Just a regular That's, Palm Pilot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it it was it was tough. And then I went to a Palm Three, and then shortly after that, I believe um, I can't remember. I I think I just ditched it because I couldn't bring it into work. Yeah. And remember the funny sounds I, they'd make when you'd sync them. I forgot about that. So you just said it. Yeah, and those I know are down in the basement, and I got to get them out, and and I don't know what to do with them, make Christmas ornaments out of them or something. And the first smartphone that I got, I was unfortunately part of Verizon, who didn't have access to the iPhone back then. So I waited and got the first smartphone that Verizon had at the time which was a mo original Motorola Droid with the keyboard that flopped out still have it uh, it I, I actually have extra batteries haven't powered it up for about a year and a half now so uh, don't even know if it would sync up to anything I did use it for a couple of years as a GPS uh, to record my bike rides because I didn't want to drain the battery of my iPhone that I had after that. But yeah, Motorola Droid, the original Motorola oh, yeah. Droid, my yeah. first smartphone. 
Those palm pilots were awesome. I had the Tungsten E back in the day, and I remember you could still load games onto it, and I remember going to school for the first time taking this thing, because like you were saying about taking notes, I was totally going to try and take notes on this, but the teacher's like, oh, this is kind of like a Game Boy, and this was back when still Game Boys were like banned in the schools, and all the kids were jealous that I had a device I could play football on between classes, but that was allowed by the teachers, uh, all because it technically could take notes, and that's what it was, but that whole thing was... That was probably my intro into really kind of getting kind of nerdy with technology, trying to figure out fun things, hacks around with stuff, and it was a blast. I love that device. Yeah, that's 2001. I still have right? it. That was 2000, 2001, that era, 99, 2000. This uh, one was 2003 to 2005 is what it says was retail. For, for those, yeah, well, those early those are, ones. What, oh, for the early ones. Talking yeah, about, e. like, yep. yeah the, Palm, the, very, the original Palm Pilots would have been 99, 98, 99, I think, somewhere in there. Nope. And uh, other Jim in chat says he used a handspring visor, or that was kind of a version of of those, just like a Palm. Um, I had the Palm Pilot, and then I upgraded to the to the Palm Five, which had I think you could I think you could it had some version of a you could get on the internet or something. That would have been early. You could have been beam it over with the tungsten e. It had infrared, and you could actually beam like from that. your computer over and update your email, which. Who was emailing a fifth grader back then? I don't know, but I thought I was cool. <laughs> when I would travel, I would take that. I had, a key, I had the keyboard. Remember, there's a folding keyboard that came with it, too, you could get, and you would open it up, and it would snap slide out. Slide out, right? <laughs> and then you would slide it, slide it back in and fold it back up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. And I would travel, and I would write. I would get that Palm 5 out on the plane, and I would write two documents, and then I would sync that to my email and move it in and, and do some stuff with it. It was kind of the early days of having something to work on in the uh, in the airplane. SP, you got something you going to show there? Oh, this is my smartphone in grad school. <laughs> it's, uh, H- this was top of the line, paid top dollar for it, even at academic prices. I think it was 600 bucks. And a Hewlett Packard 48GX graphing calculator, which was illegal to use during tests, so I don't even know why I bought it. But anyway, it was useful in matrix computations and stuff like that. You're doing yeah. computational dynamics stuff yeah, like some, that. Some that was stuff. uh in high school you could you know you can write programs for those pretty easily actually just I mean it's pretty simple on the actual calculator to write them and one of our teachers was kind of interested in what my buddy and I were doing she says hey if you could write a program to do things for you during the test that you need to get done uh, I'll let you use it and so we took it and we were done the test with like five minutes everyone else took like 45 minutes and she was like okay I got to give you your A you guys actually built the program that you said you would that was actually my first time ever technically coding was writing one of the a program for one of those graphing calculators and having it do the whole test for me see yeah. as far as far as coding goes I remember one of the first real coding programs that I did was a Fortran 77 on cards that was doing the computational uh, per, space perturbation of orbits of satellites, and that took uh, of weeks to actually write, and then you had to punch them out on the cards, and then you actually had to run it, which would, took a while on the computer, and all of that, those months of turmoil and toil, eh, I can, you know, pick up the internet and <laughs> use satellite toolkit on my freaking cell phone or whatever crazy? and find out where the ISS is going to be at any given time. Isn't that crazy? Or you can watch, I was on Blab, and you can actually watch the feed from the International Space Station right on Blab. Somebody's got that, somebody put it in there, or you can go to YouTube. I mean, that's where it's at today, but you can really pretty much catch 24-7 as the uh, the International Space Station makes its way around the planet. You can watch that. It's a pretty cool little feed. I, I have to admit, I'm kind of a nerd um, that way. All right, one more gadget, SP. Uh, 
and I've, I've always been really skeptical of anything wireless, especially when it comes to sound. I, I tried to go wireless on everything for a period, and you would just get really shoddy sound, and things wouldn't work right, especially Bluetooth pairing was just awful. And I know it's gotten a little bit better, but you got a pair of wireless headphones there. That uh, are they? Are those working pretty well for you? Okay, so a little background story here. I literally grew up in a barn. Yeah, I'm not kidding. A, a dairy farm, and we were listening to AM radio, and it it was that you were milking the cows, you were doing the stalls, whatever. You listened to. I grew up in Minnesota, so it's WCCO 830. Listen to that quite a bit. So my tolerance for poor sound is probably a little bit higher than anybody else. But regardless, I did pick up a few years ago three pairs of these Sony wireless headphones. And the bass, it, it's like a tower, right? It's, it's very stocky. Uh, these things are very comfortable, though, too. I can wear them for a long time. Uh, I, I wouldn't use these for podcasting. Uh, because, you know, the frequency response and everything else. But for listening to movies and everything, if you're in line of sight of this thing sitting on the couch or whatever and other people are in bed and and you don't want to disrupt the house, there's a very neat... Now, I there are three channels on this base, and I have three different um, pairs of these throughout the house, one here in the office in case I'm walking around. Like like you, Jim, I'm, I'm actually listening to you on Saturday, but I'm not in front of my computer listening to you the whole time. I'm walking around the house. I'm eating breakfast. I'm mowing the lawn, whatever. The, the reach on these are great. The only problem really? is... You, they, can, you can take those out on the lawn? I can go all the way to the mailbox and back oh, and wow. use them. Right. Now they, they do tend to cut out at the edges of the yard or whatever. So, uh, like I said, the sound quality isn't pristine. It does tend to start to break up. Uh, in, at the edges, but they're actually pretty good, and uh, you can get them. You can still get them on Amazon. Uh, they're the Sony MDR uh, eight or nine eight five RX wireless headphones. Uh, still pretty good for what they are. Now, if I was going for a really good sounding quality, I'd probably go with the Sennheiser. I, I believe RS one eighties. Those might even be getting old. It just tells you how long I've had these. And it's it's just great to be able to put them on, walk anywhere in the house except for the shower. You know, you can't bring them in the shower with you, and and listen to what's going on on any of the TVs or computers or whatever that they're hooked up to. And it's it's old school technology. And I'm looking forward to that technology in the future, which literally has speakers ingrained in the carpet or or whatever, and I'd be able to the sound can follow me around. Oh, the that house. would be cool. Just like it did with Steve Jobs, yeah. <laughs> Follow you around. I'm I'm actually interested. I'm in, I'm in a situation now where at night it would be really helpful if I could block some sounds out. And they've got these new earbuds that are they're wireless, you know, and they'll do some noise canceling and they'll do some, you know, they'll wake you up with a gentle alarm on the, you know, that you just hear and only you hear. So think about an alarm that goes off that only you can hear. And they're really small in ear. I mean, they just fit in there. The early version is about three hundred bucks. I think they're coming down in price. So I'm I'm going the other dire- the other direction on this is I'd like to get in ear stuff that would, um, especially at night. I'm not saying that Sarah snores a lot, but she kind of does. <laughs> and uh, so it would be sometimes it would be super helpful to block out uh, that sound. These ones that you have, nine hundred mega. They're on the nine hundred megahertz FM. Um, band and pretty good bass pretty good response uh, looks like here they get some good reviews $108 on Amazon if you're thinking about 
doing something along those lines. Everybody, music's hard because everybody has their own opinion of what sounds good and what they like and how they do it. We we even saw Paul Brarin set up. He's one of our listeners, and he comes on here as well on the show. He had set up a whole unit for his for mowing that was done inside some, you know, inside some some gog or some uh, headphones to keep the sound out. And then he piped some things in and put some stuff on it. It was a whole unit, so he, he could listen to us while he was mowing his lawn and protect his ears from the noise of the uh, the lawnmower. So. You guys come up with some pretty ingenious stuff. Again, I asked for a picture earlier, but if you got something crazy like that, if you've worked up some kind of crazy gadget or you combine gadgets or you got some kind of crazy setup using technology, shoot a picture of it, send me it, send it to me, Jim at the average guy.tv. Love to see yeah, Kevin scoon over it. It's true, Kevin. It's Sarah. It's all her fault. So uh, so, so, Jim, though, I, just to get on your request, you're looking for something to, to sleep with and then wake up. I think I got what you're looking for. Okay. And all you right. have to go all the way back to 1985 and watch a movie called Real Genius. All right. I don't know and if I saw that one, though. You've never seen Real Genius? Uh, no. You, you got to pick that up. All right. I'll have, to, I'll have to get the reference. From from in there, no. I'm just I'm I'm thinking they got some really good in air stuff coming out, and there's been a lot of good. It's expensive for now, but I think there's some there's some good stuff coming. All right. Well, I think uh, I think SP. Anything anything else you want to throw in before we wrap it and kind of go into post show? No, just thank you very much for yeah. for having me. It's been a blast. I enjoyed listening to you guys. We you know after the fact because I'm not like listening right. to you guys a lot. Well, you're yeah. doing a podcast. I, yeah, Apparently. I'm always doing a podcast. I so I was yelling at Stephen, so he's he's like tweeting at me or messaging me or whatever, and I'm like why why do you guys have to wait until I'm actually in pre production <laughs> on a podcast? I mean, focus on doing the podcast. He's like, SP. You're always podcasting, and I was like, "Yeah, okay, point." So, yeah. How long have you been? Two years, three years? How long have you been podcasting? If you if you oh, stretch all, it full time, I believe yeah. it was February of 2014. Yeah, so okay, so a couple years. Yeah, couple but years. Because I'm podcasting every day, I've got over 500 or at least over 450 episodes right yeah. now. So it's Isn't that crazy. It, it, it adds up. up fast, right? When you think about that, we have done. I've done a variety of shows. I, I, you know, when we think about home server show and uh, guest appearances on things like Home Gadget or like uh, uh, Surface Geeks. Here we're up to 260 something. Here I've done, and now at work I'm podcasting maybe three or four days a week at work. So yeah, no, they add up pretty fast, and it's uh, it, it it there's a lot to do, and you seem to be able to do it. The question is, how long can you do it for? Because yeah. it's if you listen to my podcast about if you listen to better podcasting you will hear my advice do not do more than two podcasts because yeah. you won't be able to really sustain it you won't be able to do everything you want to on anything more than two podcasts and even with two it's stretching it because there's promotion there's pre-production there's planning and everything that goes into it a lot goes into a podcast to make it valuable content for your listener to be able to get some sleep to be able to function at your job in case your job isn't full-time podcasting like yours is Jim and uh, so we're totally jealous and you know part of the reason I do it is I just it's a hobby I like yeah. the gear I like to to actually do it I've always been a radio fan and you know, now I've actually got a radio mic, and I've actually used a mic like this in a radio station. I got to do that because I podcast, and you know, it's it's all fun. But yeah, no, no more than two if you're really gonna be into this. And if you're doing more than that, you are definitely stretching yourself. Yeah, 
Well, as Mike found out, uh, zero when you're getting ready for the bar exam, right, Mike? Yeah. Zero, zero, zero. But yeah, it, it's just it, it goes nuts. And then, well, then especially you know you're preparing to have a baby, and I'm like, I knew that was going to be the point. Like the baby was for sure going to be probably a cutoff point for my personal podcast. But you know, I already told Hannah Jim uh, that you know, committed to the podcast. I said if this baby's born on a Thursday. Sorry, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to podcast, you know, unless you want me to bring the camera into the room and I could do it from, you know, the, the room there. But I don't think you want me to do that, so I might have to be at home. And she said she'll have a talk with you about that later, so I'll give her your number. That's this awesome. I have a bed. I have an extra bed for you when you get there. We go. Out. Oh, okay, yeah. let's take a Peter. step back here. I'm looking at you right now. You've got an ATR2100, which has USB out. You can use the camera connection kick. I know you've got an iPad. Just go into there and do it that way. You yeah. can do it in the delivery room live. I'm just, hey, if she if she approves, I'm down. I'll just lend it to you. I've got one. There here. you go. I actually need to grab one of those Yeah. <laughs> for another reason. You don't do that, by the way. Don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've done some dumb things. Don't do that. All right, sounds good. good. No, we're excited for you, and we'll give you some time off when you when you get there. Uh, we'll remind everyone if you. Uh, I gave you a couple things, a couple bits of homework uh, this week, and if you want to get those photos taken of those things in the show, we'd love to have you send them to me. Give me an email, Jim at theaverageguy.tv. We can show them right here on the podcast. Kind of fun to get that kind of feedback from you guys, and. Uh, I'm getting some really good traction around Twitter too. So if you want to follow me on Twitter at Jay Carlson, uh, SP, what's if if folks wanted to listen to your podcast, your network stuff, what's the best place for them to go, one-stop shop to kind of get the network? Where do they find that? Uh, just uh, deposit twenty dollars into an account. No, to go to gunnageek.com. That's G-O-N-N-A. G-E-E-K. So gunnageek.com, and you can find all of our great content there, including some great articles. And all the shows on the network, and since I'm on five of them, you, odds are you're going to run into me on the network. Yeah, at least at least once or twice. And SP, thanks for good to have you on here. Uh, I asked you a couple weeks ago, and you're like, yeah, sounds good. And it's always fun to have. I love to get different voices on here. So thanks for taking some time tonight out of your busy podcasting schedule to be a to be a guest host here. Well, if you wanted it. to do different voices, I could. Tap into the effects on my board here. I mean, you can do, can that. You do robot. Can you can you easily do? You have the robot voice loaded up. Can you do? Can you? I, uh, I you know the unfortunate thing is I would actually have to get up from my chair and look oh, down at what channel the effects on. We've we've heard Emily lately on Classy Little Podcast. She was on a couple weeks ago. Emily has been turning James's voice into a robot, which is incredibly <laughs> funny. So that's one of those things that uh, maybe we'll get it in the post show. Uh, SP, maybe we'll do that in the post show. Sure. Remind everyone that the AverageGuy.tv platform, both web and media hosting, powered by Maple Grove Partners, gets secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from people you know and trust. You know who those guys are over there. For more information, visit MapleGrovePartners.com. Again, Christian's doing hosting plans and great both website and media hosting for podcasters start as little as 10 bucks a month. So if you're thinking about doing something like that and you need a, kind of a one-stop shop to get it done, maplegrovepartners.com. Don't forget about we broadcast live out to, to WLMN Radio in Grafton, West Virginia each week. Roger, hopefully he listens. Uh, Roger, thanks for uh, broadcasting us each week. I, at least I send the audio file up, Mike. I never actually verify that he's, he's playing us out there. I imagine he is. So, Roger, thanks for getting that done as well. Mind you, of the, uh, the iPhone and Android app, too, best way to listen to Home Gadget Geeks, just go to homegadgetgeeks.com and get that downloaded. Don't forget to use the Amazon affiliate link or the uh, Average Guy Tech Scholarship Fund, as we like to call it, 
a way for you to help support the show. TheAverageGuy.tv slash Amazon is the best way to get there. And you guys are great at this, by the way. If you're listening, many of you do that every single month. We turn those dollars back around for reviews and stuff that we... Uh, some of the stuff lately I've been reviewing, I've been talking about. We've purchased through that, and then we get we get it reviewed. I always feel better about reviewing something we've bought than something that's been given to us. I just don't feel like I can always give it the greatest, honest, open review when it's been given it to us by a manufacturer. But when we've bought it, great way to do that. And uh, if you want to try that out and you want to test it, shoot me an email. I try to keep it around 100 bucks. I'll ship it to you. You review it, write about it, or come on the show. And uh, we'll have you review it right here. It's a great way to get it done. Again, that only works because you guys shop when you shop at Amazon, theaverageguy.tv slash Amazon. We're out here live every Thursday night, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out at theaverageguy.tv slash live. And uh, we will – actually, we've got some great programs coming up for you. Um, Mike, remember how I said I didn't have anybody lined up? I looked at the list, and all of a sudden, it was like, whoop, filled right in. Bam, it filled right in. So with, we, we got SP this week. We got Ben coming back uh, next week from Kangaroo to talk about it. Dwayne's coming back for part two. So if you liked, if you enjoyed kind of the gadgetry we went into with Dwayne Robinson, uh, he is coming back for part two to cover some more of that, uh, that great tech stuff that we covered with home automation. Ryan Parker, the foods craftsman, is going to come back. It's been a while. I scheduled him a year ago, and he couldn't make it, and he's back on. We're going to talk about food gadgets which I'm super excited about. It's always good to combine the two my two favorite things. I mean, I love gadgets, but I love food way more. <laughs> so it'll be it'll be good to have Ryan on uh, talking about that. Schoonover's coming back, so it'll be good to have him hanging out with us. He's been hanging out in the chat room. Kevin, good to have you uh, out there as well. Our friend Edward Weininger from Al- Alpha Bitcoin here in Omaha. We're gonna do we're gonna get caught up on the Bitcoin addiction and where it's gone. By the way, that price keeps going up, Mike. I keep looking at Bitcoin. He called it, and it makes I mean, you wish you had, you know, I had gone and just done it that like, night. If we yeah. had bought, um, right. I mean, twice he's been back. He did the original one. It went up the second time he came on. It's gone up since then, and uh, and he called it. He totally called it. But so this time we're gonna do it. No, I probably won't. But that being said, uh, Edward's gonna come back and kind of brief us on what Bitcoin is doing and where it's been. It's good to have a local guy get this done, and Edward's such a nice guy. I love running into him here in town. That's kind of the fun part when I go to the tech conferences here in town. I get to see him. We're working on Chris Barnes uh, coming back again, and then we're going to do this. This was kind of interesting this week. I had uh, one of the listeners contact me and say, man, Dwayne totally undersold the Chromebook, and I got some things I want to talk about. Of course, Nathaniel is kind of our has been our Chromebook expert, and we've talked about Chromebooks several times. And so Chip's going to come on uh, from uh, the Making Making Dad show uh, that he does. He's going to come on uh, end of July, and we're going to kind of do a, a whole show kind of on the Chromebook, where it's at, how it's being used, how it's being used in education. We'll talk about that some more. So we have a whole bunch of shows lined up for you. You don't want to miss them, and you want to stay all the way to the end of them. We are live 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out at theaverageguy.tv slash live every week. And uh, thanks for listening, and that will say goodnight, everybody. <laughs>